Hello and welcome to Groovecast, the podcast for the rhythm section with me, Ashley Walker. And me, Charlie Smith. And uh, doesn't it feel good to say that again? It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been, yeah. Season three. How did we get there? Yeah, uh, time moves fast when you're having fun, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which... Indeed. uh, (laughs) We were going to talk about um, what we've been up to over the last few months. It's... uh, been quite a few months since we last recorded um a little bit less since we last spoke so as well as giving you a little idea of what we've been up to we're also kind of letting each other know because we haven't had a proper um true chat have we so we only ever talk when we do these we never we never talk outside of it (laughs) outside of it um yeah so uh, for the last time we recorded was probably around march april time of uh, this year um and since then uh, I've been working back on the ship again. Uh, I know Charlie, you've been all over the place, yep. up and down the country, playing at festivals, doing all yeah, sorts. festivals, theatres, anywhere that will have me really. <laughs> goodness, um, all that kind of goodness. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, my first thing back after uh, our podcast was going back on the ship around um, beginning the beginning of May time. Um, as well as doing some little recording bits, which included yourself, Charlie, bits of percussion and stuff like that. Yeah, which we kind of touched on a bit, I think, last last episode or the, the one before, I can't remember. but Yeah, so that's kind yeah, of... If you want to, if you want to find out about the recording of Ashley's latest album, we did a whole <laughs> podcast on it, which yeah. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was episode nine of season two. So if you haven't listened to that, right. once you've listened to this one, go and <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. And the other 20 episodes or whatever it is. Yeah, there's tw- 20 episodes worth of us gabbing. I mean, it can't be that bad, can it? <laughs> um, it's got us this far. Yeah, we're still going, we're still hanging in there. Um, yeah, so uh, I got back on the ship, as I say, beginning of May. Um, and in fact, I ventured into the kind of vlogging world on that uh, short contract. I just thought, to hell with it, I'm going to give it a go. And um, it was a failure. No, not really. Um, well, it is what it, it is. Might be. Uh, it have... might be. <laughs> time, time will tell on that one. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, what will be available on the same place as this, uh, my uh, YouTube channel, Ashley Walker Music. Um, so you can go and check that out. I don't know if you have Charlie, but, um, you know, it's me. I've, I've caught a few. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I spent my lunch hour doing some teaching the last couple of weeks because it happened to be the day that your vlogs came out so I would just sit with a cup of coffee and and tune into them and uh, yeah there's some there's some very interesting interesting stuff and it's it's the sort of things as well where it's like I'm glad you've been to those places so I don't have to <laughs> well um it was uh, yeah the idea of it really was just to give a little a little tour of the ship I didn't do too much of that but mostly just kind of the day in the life of what I do when I'm on the ship and getting off at places, having a little look round, grabbing a bit of food, um, trying to get a couple of pictures of something substantial and then <laughs> heading back on board for lunch or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, there was some cool stuff in there. We went to the ABBA Museum, if you're into that kind of thing, in uh, Stockholm. Um, so take a chance on me. Yeah, yeah take oh, a chance yeah. on that. Yeah, uh-huh. I totally um, didn't um, use that joke in the bio to it either, so it's fine. Yeah, of course not. Um, <laughs> how many how many ABBA puns can you slip in to uh, <laughs> to a description for a vlog? Let me think. 
um, so <laughs> so yeah there was that there was that um went to the food market in barcelona um which the very famous food market which I, funnily enough even though i've been there quite a few times i've never been to before because i tend to n- like what i know and i know what i like and i go to the same places but <laughs> this time i tried to go off and do something different so be adventurous you know, went, for once <laughs> yeah for once um so yeah, so and went to Cadiz, and so yeah, if you're interested in any of those places or just seeing a bit more of um, me talking, which is one of my favourite things, is to listen to my own voice back, obviously. As well, well yeah, isn't it? Oh, I mean, that's that's the reason you do all the mixing on these. I I have yeah. nothing to do with any of it, with complete so. pleasure. Um, but the um, yeah, it was actually uh, watching that first one of your vlogs. Actually, I was, and I, I think we we discussed this uh, before. I was surprised at just by chance how similar your cabin was to the one I had when I was on a completely different ship with a completely different line uh, a year and a bit ago for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. was quite interesting to see. We'll have to, um, maybe we'll put a picture, a side-by-side if we haven't already, of um, of that. It was pretty yeah. cool. C- cabin comparisons. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a new hashtag to be, uh, <laughs> to be invented right there. But... Um, <laughs> But no, it looks no, it looks like it was a, a good little contract for you, and definitely got you around, uh, got you around and about. So what was it, the Med, and then up to Scandinavia again? Yeah, and it was what was really nice coming back off the ship was because people usually ask what's your favourite kind of port and stuff like that. Um, and to be fair, my favourites are probably the Scandinavian ports so far, the ones that we've been to, Stockholm and Gothenburg and those kind of Copenhagen. And it's been nice coming back uh, home and people, some people that um, I've worked with at home since have done the ships in the past and sort of comparing notes and they've even watched some of my vlogs. And um, a quick thing about that was one of them, um, Kev Rogers, the drummer in my dad's swing band, shout out to Kev if he's listening. Um, (laughs) He was saying he watched the first episode and um, I give a little tour of my cabin. And he said he had a problem with me saying that my I said oh and my bed's by the window, and he said oh he shouldn't Ashley should know he shouldn't be call, be calling it a window it's a porthole it's not a window, and then he quickly stopped saying that when I panned up and he went oh yeah that is a window not a porthole because <laughs> then it's like the the change in um, the ships over the years since that's like, the he's one done it and but, um, yeah not yeah, being so. at the not being in the bottom depths of it yeah seeing there. Uh, Seeing a porthole that looks like a washing machine with water just coming up yeah. the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, so go make it's good sure to you see. Can, yeah, it's go good. and uh, check that out. Yeah, it's good to see for sure. And actually, it's uh, it's interesting to see you didn't fall into the same little trap I did when I went on the ships, which was whenever you find a port, uh, accidentally, definitely accidentally finding music shops. <laughs> I remember I found a record shop in in Italy somewhere. That was really good, um, and I got I think I got a George Benson record and brought it back with me, vinyl, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, as uh, as you well know, I <laughs> when we stopped off at the port in Turkey, I uh, I ran in I found by chance we went into a little mall and found a, there was a, an instrument shop there, a musical instrument <laughs> shop. And so um, I did what every good drummer would do, which was to uh, buy a, a darbuka, which is a, a Turkish hand drum, and bring it back with me on on the on the the voyage home. And 
I actually carried it hand luggage on the flight <laughs> because that's the kind of guy I am. That's so, the that's the thing with um, the ship. And before we move on from it, is that like you get from uh, you know you go to these places and sometimes I mean I've as you see in the vlog and as Charlie knows and people know I collect I've collected uh, loads of magnets and I've just started collecting stickers and stuff in my base case and like just kind of those kind of things and those will always be with you but it's also just like you say you'll probably always have that drum and you know where it's come from and yeah. I've got a few bits like that that when I eventually get a place of my own or the music room we've got stuff in here you know that's from all over the place yeah. so well that's it and, you, and it's not only that you know other people buy you things now and again I've got a, a maraca which came from a trip uh, someone made to Sri Lanka once and I've still got that and you know different different things from different places the the one common one is i always end up being bought hard rock cafe drumsticks as presents from various <laughs> various locations around the world uh whenever any family or or friends are traveling me i always seem to end up with another pair so i've just got i've got a <laughs> stick bag full of hard rock cafe sticks from all all over the place from florida to krakow and everywhere in between so that's kind of cool brilliant so what's um I know, so that was my kind of getting back to it. I know you've been all over the place, haven't you? Yeah, I've I've been, you know, the usual life of a freelancer, just dipping about on all sorts of gigs and, uh, you know, all kinds of different places. And in the similar way to you, kind of getting uh, getting into the magnet collecting, I've ended up collecting a few of these lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, for done. those who are listening, are uh, laminates from, you know, backstage passes and all of that from various festivals I've been playing at. Uh, this one being probably the nicest of them, which was that I uh, I went and played at Glastonbury a couple of weeks ago. As we're recording this, it'll probably be a, a month or two ago by the time this goes out. But, um, yeah, so I was very, very lucky to be asked to go and play with... Um, Martin Stevenson and the Dainties uh, doing a, a spot on the acoustic stage on the Friday afternoon, which was um, which was was great fun. And you know, I, I'm not I'm not a festival goer. You know, I don't I don't go to festivals. You know, unless I'm working at them. So <laughs> literally, I don't. So you know, camping in a muddy field for three days, I honestly couldn't think of much worse. Yeah. Um, so. Going in as a and, and playing it was is probably the only reason I would have gone to Glastonbury and yeah it was it was great and we we were just there for the day so we stayed in a in a little in a little guest house a couple of hours away and just drove in um, you know got in to the festival and all got all of our our passes and stuff and we were the thing with doing it is for for me at least I had no time to kind of process any of it. You know, because you, you know it'll be a a big gig, and I actually kept it I kept it quiet that I was doing it for months, just because you know you don't want to to get too excited over it, and then you know plans yeah. change or something happens or anything like that. So I I kept it under wraps until oh only a couple of weeks before, and then I finally let the cat out of the bag and and uh, and and started telling people. So that was kind of kind of nice, and then yeah we. Um, it does. It just all happens so fast. The minute you were, we were on site, we were as soon as we were sort of sorted out, they were ready for us on stage. So we were 
you know, load the gear in and set up on rolling risers behind behind the stage. And then, yeah, so by the time I was set up, the sound crew mic'd me up and I just had time to go and get changed into, into the stage clothes, sit with my practice pad and have a little five-minute warm-up and then... Then you know we, that was it. We were called to the stage as they were wheeling. They wheeled my drum kit out from behind the stage and round, which I did. I did put a video up on my Instagram of that because I thought it was it was uh, great. And because I'm so selfish, I let I let the one stage crew member do it all by himself, and I didn't offer to help because I had a gig to do. So it's his um, job. It's his job. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he pushed my kit up, and I did. I did think when I walked out on stage and sat down, I thought, I really hope he's put the brakes on. <laughs> That would have been brilliant. Yeah, but I mean, they, the, 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 I've got to say for the the whole backstage crew at um, at Glastonbury and at the, especially at the acoustic stage, their changeovers were absolutely insanely fast. We were between one band coming off and us going on was fifteen minutes. Wow. It was meant to be a twenty minute changeover, but we were ready in fifteen, and we just you know because you, you you get on, you do a quick line check for the front of house and get a, a rough monitor mix with um, the monitor guy at the side of the stage just you know bashing around and hitting things and then they said right well you can either have five minutes you know to to you know to get ready and or you can just do it so we just went well we'll just do it and we had so we actually instead of doing the 40 minutes we were supposed to we ended up doing like 45 which was which was great you know and yeah it was the whole gig really was a bit of a blur you just get into the zone and and do it and the way that the dainties is as we've discussed before you know there's no there's no set list really there's a rough list of songs that you may or may not play um the arrangements aren't fixed and they can change every gig so you know you can't ever expect anything uh mm-hmm. and so yeah it's like it's a, a really big game of follow the leader um on stage and just trying to get it to, to to feel good and and make everyone happy and the audience were well into it we i think we must have had a, a thousand or more you know maybe two two thousand people in the tent with us and then loads more sort of outside in the sun mm. you know lying out on blankets and stuff on the the bit of grass around the because we the, the the acoustic stage i should probably say is like a kind of it's like a big top really with the stage inside it rather than like the pyramid stage where it's the whole audience is outdoors and everything it's it's a bit more covered in which is it's nice because you get a bit more of an intimate feel to it and and also you're a bit more protected from all the weather should it be terrible which thankfully for us it wasn't it was it was a lovely boiling hot day um but yeah so we did the gig and then you know when you you know you, you usually would you know do the gig and then you'd come off and have five minutes before you go and pack down not at Glastonbury they you know as soon as I was off the riser the riser was being wheeled off and then they really you know they want you to get your gear off it so that they can have it ready for whoever's turning up next to start because they have four or three or four risers and then each band can as soon as they there's a riser free they can start setting their stuff up so yeah I think from coming off the the, the stage at 20 to 3 I think all my gear was back in the car by three o'clock you know, packed, you know, mics down, packed, packed the gear into its cases, down the ramp and in the, into the back of the car. And then we went off and had a, a bite to eat, which was very nice. And then, and then really we could enjoy the rest of the day, which was one of the big perks of having a really early or a, or a fairly early um, stage time. You know, we were on at two o'clock or whatever. 
so we could have the rest of the day as long as we wanted to to kind of hang about and i, I mean I, I suppose we could have probably stayed the whole weekend if we'd really wanted to but we were just we just did the day so we stayed and watched um watched a few bands i caught a little bit of um texas uh, as i was walking past the pyramid stage they sounded good um i ran into a friend of mine from manchester jen who was playing with a, a, a an artist called iora on one of the small stages and she was great so we got to catch up with her after her little set <laughs> and then we went and saw this unknown band uh, called the Churnups, or as they were listed which was the worst kept secret in history because everyone kind of knew it would be the foo fighters and they were do they were on the pyramid stage just doing an hour slot at about I think six o'clock or something on the mm. on the, on the night, so it was all daylight and sunny still, and you know they had no you know it wasn't a big show. It was just minimal backline and everything, and and they were just yeah. I mean the Foo Fighters have been on my list of bands I wouldn't mind seeing for for quite a while. You know I'm not you know I wouldn't say I know all of their songs, but I you know I like what they do, and I think Dave Grohl seems like a a really great guy, and obviously. Mm great guitarist great songwriter great singer great drummer you know he's, he's kind of the full package um you know and so yeah got to see though them do their set and with um josh freeze now on drums after the passing of taylor hawkins uh, and josh was was great so yeah really good fit for that for that gig so yeah we saw a bit of them um yeah went and had a, another bite to eat and you know sort of i saw a bit of um Steve Earle, you know, the country guitarist, he was just doing a solo s- spot on on the stage where we were, which meant I could actually go and stand um, at the side of the stage and watch him. So that was pretty cool. I thought so. um, I thought it was very disappointing that you know during the Foo Fighters and all weekend at Glastonbury, you know when all the big stars were on stage and it would pan round to the people in the wings and you saw McCartney there and Kate Hudson and stuff. I, th- I think really in that. Um, on the acoustic stage, it should have panned round, and then we could have seen Charlie Smith. Of well, you know, it's watching. it's just it's just they don't have the taste, you know, to put yeah. to put cameras on the acoustic stage like they should. But anyway, um, <laughs> but no, I did actually. I filmed the whole dainty set when we when we were playing. I just had to set my little camera up next to me, so I I've, I've got a whole recording of of the whole set, which was good because it meant I could actually watch it back. Yeah. And actually remember what happened because it was all so much of a blur. I couldn't really remember it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I saw a bit of Steve Earle and we we chilled out a little bit out out of the rat race for a while. Um, and then we just caught the first few numbers of the Arctic Monkeys before we headed off. I mean, on if if I'm being totally honest, the Arctic Monkeys aren't my sort of preferred listening material. But you know. They're a good band and they do what they do well, you know. So we saw, I think we saw the first three or four numbers and then we thought now's probably a good time to escape before the masses do, you it know. It was one of them, they started and you said, right, should we get out of here then? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, no, no, we we, just saw, we saw the first couple. I think, did you, was it you who went and saw them recently? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm the same as, I mean, I We'll probably get to that, but it's, I mean, there's not much, um, as I'm the same with you, they're not my cup of tea, really. Uh, they're my girlfriend's thing, which is why we went to watch them. But I've got to say, I did enjoy the gig in the end. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, they put I, they put a show on. I'll give them that, you know. And yeah, what I thought was interesting at Glastonbury was the reviews afterwards were a very mixed bag. I don't know if you saw any of it, but it was, um, they, the, like, their starting number and stuff was very, uh, you know, you'd think at Glastonbury I thought it you'd was, come out hitting big straight away. But, I thought uh, it was a choice starting number to go with something really slow and sort of dramatic. Because yeah. the, the thing you've got to kind of remember with festivals, you know... With especially with the bigger artists, is it isn't your crowd. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a crowd of Arctic Monkeys fans exclusively, or a crowd of Elton John fans. So the worst thing any artist can say at a festival of that scale is, "Here's one from the new album." You might <laughs> exactly. as well say, "Here's a song you don't know." You yeah, know. Um, think... So it, if it's if you are one of those sort of like I say heritage artists, but artists who've got a, a strong back catalogue. They just, you know, you you want to be playing the hits. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be playing the the deep cuts because people are just going to go, well, yeah, I saw, I saw whoever do their set, but half the songs I've never heard of before. Yeah, and to be fair, like with them, we we went to see them a couple of days before Glastonbury. It was like the gig before the singer got laryngitis, and then, um, and then yeah, they cancelled the next gig. But they like, and when we went to see him, it was a different start and everything. It was most of the same songs. But they do play all their hits, but it's like... And they're almost similar to Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl in that as- aspect of they kind of just do what they want to do and they don't really give a damn, like, what um you know what order they do it in. Or you'd think they might start with, you know, one of their big hits um, yeah. straight off the bat. I mean, but, but even, even the Foo Fighters, it was, you know, they came on doing um, All My Life. Big, big tune, you know, that's very recognisable. Yeah, and they may. They, I think they maybe put one or two, sort of newer songs in from the the latest record. But for the majority of time, they played the songs people wanted to hear. They played, um, you know, Everlong, and they played My Hero, My Hero, and yeah. all of that. You know, they played they played the songs that as even as a non Foo Fighters fan, you would have probably heard on the radio, or you would have come across in that way. I was half hoping. Because I know he was there doing his set the following day. I was half hoping they'd Rick, bring Rick Astley out and do Never Gonna Give You Up Again. You know, just just for the hell of it. But um, unfortunately not. But also, they could have brought Paul McCartney out. I was, I was, I, I did wonder if that would happen. Because, of course, when Paul McCartney headlined last year, he brought Dave Grohl out. Yeah. So I did I did wonder if the favour would be returned. You know, if, he, if McCartney had wanted to do it, you never know if he... He might, as far as I was concerned, he probably was just there enjoying the, enjoying the festival as a punter. I, I loved because um, I watched. I didn't watch all of Glastonbury. I watched uh, on the replay. I watched the Arctic Monkeys thing, and then I obviously watched Elton John and a bit of the Foo Fighters stuff. Um, but I thought because it obviously kept panning round to McCartney in the wings sometimes. And, McCartney um, in the wings. Oh, hey. um, <laughs> um, yeah, what I thought was really funny is because then you see all stuff on online about you know him being there and all the comments and stuff were like, isn't it great? You know, he's just there enjoying the moment, not got his phone out and stuff. And then the next video, the next day, Elton John was him videoing Elton John singing "Don't Let the Sun," which I thought was brilliant. Like, just the fact, like, why would he want that video? Like, because surely somebody else can get it for him, whatever. But it's just he's just such a normal, cool guy. And yeah, and it's probably as well for him. It's like. Well, that's where I was stood watching, you know, in yeah. his case, his pal, probably, 
I would imagine yeah. their mates, you know. He maybe was, Elton, he was stood there, yeah, maybe, watching. Maybe him. Elton said to him, "Oh, can you try and get a few bits? Yeah, maybe yeah. Can you take a few photos <laughs> for me? Yeah. yeah, just just at the side of the stage, you know, just in case no one else does." <laughs> yeah, it was great. Speaking but yeah, what a, that, that was what uh, a gig. Elton was pretty good, wasn't he? I, I mean, I liked. I it. yeah, I heard a, I heard a little bit of his set when I was when I was uh, driving back from a gig a couple of nights later in it. Yeah, it sounded sounded good. I haven't I haven't actually checked out the full thing, but I listened to oh, a couple of numbers, and I think... But, I mean, one of my favourite Elton numbers is Benny and the Jets. I just love how laid back and swampy the groove is, you know. They're not putting any more into it than it needs to be. It's just so minimal, and yeah. So I was I was happy to hear that he played that, and... And obviously, Nigel Olsen on Kit and Ray Cooper on Perk was a winning combination, if you ask me. <laughs> Pretty good band. Yeah. You can't argue with that, can you, really? No. So, yeah, that was... Uh, you sh- and you've put a, a few bits from your Glastonbury thing on, on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, you, so. I wouldn't say I've spammed social media with it, but, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've put a few bits up here and there. And there's a few little videos and things that I, I snipped out of the the... the the full recording I had and yeah some nice photos that were taken by um our two manager Anna and um you know and a couple of the lads backstage and and great you know it was just a really good vibe you know you, n- you never know walking into a, a festival how it's going to be is it going to just be a, a place full of hooligans you know who are all drunk or is it going to be a family vibe or and Glastonbury's mm. kind of all of that it's just everyone everyone at once there for the same reason to enjoy enjoy the atmosphere enjoy the music enjoy the arts that are going on because there's all circus performers as well and you know you're just wandering around and you've got stilt walkers walking past you and you know there's comedians on in one place and there's uh, DJs and and raves on in another so it's sort of totally mixed bag of of arts and culture but yeah it was like it was a great atmosphere to be in and everyone, you know, seemed really up for it. And I think that's that's what festival goers are like, you know, just for me, just looking in for the for the couple of hours I was there. It was, yeah, everyone was just well into into everything. And, you know, you get you got those two different sorts of people, those who had sort of paper lists or lists on the phone of people they wanted to see. And they were oh. darting from stage to stage and trying to catch a bit of everyone. And then you had the people who were a bit more like how I was on the day where you just meander around and you might have a couple of people you're definitely going to try and catch but in you know you're just walking past stages and see who you hear you know I heard a bit of um, Lewis Cole set on on you know doing like jazz fusion stuff and that sounded great and um, you know really good uh, audience for it as well you know I think it, I can't remember what stage he was on but it was you know I just I was just walking past and hearing it through the PA and it sounded phenomenal, you know. Yeah. So it's just all different little bits. You can just, you know, whether you stand and watch the whole set or you stand and watch a bit of it or you just even just walking past, you can hear everything. And, you know, and there's loads of colour and, and everything that that's going on is just, it's just wonderful. Um, so before your uh, Glastonbury gig and all those uh, antics and all that kind of thing, um, I had uh, my trip um, to London, which th- I put some photos on. I also had a little uh, gig with my band Fusion, just a nice little local thing, um, which was cool. Um, and yeah, went to London, 
uh, for a few days. I think sort of Thursday to Monday. However, many, what was that? Five nights, something like that. I don't know. I'm really thereabouts. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I went to London, um, and although it wasn't, I mean, we were going to watch the Arctic Monkeys as the main thing, but it wasn't necessarily a music music sort of related trip. It was taking in the sights, going to a load of different burger places, um, which we love. Connoisseurs um, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, we went to, as I say, as, uh, as we mentioned uh, briefly before, we went to see the Arctic Monkeys. Um, supporting them were a band called The Hives and a band called, I think, The Mystics or something like that. Right. Which were both pretty cool. Um, as I say, it's not like my usual thing, but there were some songs that I did out of the whole set. There were some songs I liked. That's good. <laughs> um, it always helps. <laughs> It was at the um, the Arsenal Emirates Stadium, which I've never been to before, which was, as a football fan, that was cool, you know. It was a, a bonus, I mean, it's, I it's not exactly the Riverside, is it? No, but uh, you, know, you can't hold that against them. I mean, yeah. they did play the Riverside, didn't I know they, they did. So. I remember I had a, a couple of my uh, couple of my students, drum students, were, were there, I think. Um, and they said it was it was very good. Yeah, and we I'm, wanted I'm sure to... Would have loved to have gone to see him in at the Riverside, but unfortunately it sold out. So they added a third date. Um, they it sold out, unlike most of Middlesbrough's home games. Um, so they added a they added that third date to the uh, their London run. So we managed to get in there. What was interesting was, um, as I'm sure you'll have experienced before, as I know you obviously lived in London for a while there. And what was cool was how. Um, so at, on at the same time was Hans Zimmer at the O2, Harry Styles at Wembley and the Arctic Monkeys at, at Arsenal's ground. So getting on the tube um, for those days, like you could, you knew which fans like were what yeah, they were you wearing. Weren't, you weren't you weren't going to catch uh, the Hans Zimmer fans on the way into uh, the Arctic <laughs> Monkeys, were you? Yeah, or I mean, I, I know some people did Harry Styles and then they went to the uh, Arctic Monkeys, but. What was funny, and as my girlfriend pointed out to me, is like Harry Styles fans have a specific, like they all kind of try and dress the same, like with the cat, they have pink cowboy hats or feather boas or. It's all very pastely, isn't it? Yeah, and like love uh, shirts and stuff, and then like the Hans Zimmer guys had. Um, my family went last year. I couldn't go unfortunately, but they went last year, and they got a couple of the Hans Zimmer like tour T-shirts. So I know what they look like. So I saw a couple of guys wearing those, which was cool. And then you just have the Arctic Monkeys fans were there, and they're like denim and leather, and like all, like not you wouldn't get them mixed up with the Harry Styles ones, that's for sure. Yeah, that was it. And of course, when they were at Glastonbury, it was just all uh, nutters in bucket hats. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's the other that's the other crowd for uh, such things. But um, yeah, but yeah. So then tying in kind of with that of just being in London and. For us, I mean, I know it's as you know, you lived in London and stuff, but it's the same for you. It's like kind of a when we go there, it's a bit of a holiday kind of thing, isn't it? Because we don't go. Yeah, it's weird. Unless you're working, it's weird for me. It's it's half holiday and half almost going, going back to that sort of point in my life where I was when I lived there. You know, I would I would say going home, but you know, home is always up here but um where the heart is oh obviously um <laughs> but no it's it's like it's like stepping back to to being a, a student again you know if i'm spending yeah. a few days in london 
because nine times out of ten I'll be walking some of the same streets and heading for some of the same places or the you know the same coffee shops and the same little restaurants and things I found as a as a as a, a, a as a music student you know doing it's back to that that thing again of um knowing what you like and kind of sticking with it and well, yeah that's like, I mean that, I know. always try and push the boat out now when I go back to London and try things that as a student I maybe wouldn't have gone and done or wouldn't have splurged a load of money on a nice meal somewhere you know um mm. i did sometimes don't get me wrong but i would i'd be more inclined to do that now because you do you'd see it as a bit of a holiday so you think oh well i'll go and have a a nice meal or i'll go and eat you know whatever or i'll go to the whatever exhibition at the portrait gallery and so yeah all of that's kind of kind of much more of a thing now than it would have been when i was living there <laughs> Well, what was like in that kind of spirit, um, you know, because I've been to I've been to London, obviously, a few times before. Well, to things like Rodney Scott's and then when I was younger, me and the family would go. We went for a, about a couple of weeks, me and my dad, when I was still in school and did all the church war rooms and all that kind of thing. And although I was into music then, I just started playing. I wasn't as big a Beatles fan as I probably am now. Um, yeah, the T-shirt's not giving anything away there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the plectrums as well, if you can see that. There you go. They're, they're just all to hand. I just, I've just got it all planned out. Um, uh, and the door. <laughs> yeah, and the door and the... Yeah, all the all the bits. It, it's just all Beatles behind you. Yeah, I'm not obsessed. I'm not. Um, yeah, not so, obsessed. <laughs> so I wasn't as big a Beatles fan then. I liked them, but... Didn't also didn't probably know about Abbey Road and all those kind of things. So this time going back and just one of those things as well. We just did what we wanted to do. We weren't necessarily uh, restricted to having to uh, be in a certain time frame or anything. So I said, oh well, um, St John's Wood is like the five minute tube of way. Should we go to see where Abbey Road is and stuff? And so we went and did that and signed the little wall there outside. And what was really funny was. Because obviously I was like, think I thought um, that it would all be a bit more like, oh bang, there's the um, the walk and stuff, and like it'll be blatantly obvious, like because oh, there'll be millions of people or whatever, hundreds of people there, and like there were there were a lot of people there, but like the angle of that picture there of the walking thing, mm. I thought my impression would be it would be on the opposite uh, other side of the building, like looking at it on your right hand side, but it's not, it's on the other side yeah um well on. the thing is as well that that zebra crossing's actually moved a little bit it's i think further down the road than it was when they took that photograph well that that'll be why then yeah so it's it's also and i think the guy who took that photograph took it literally laying on his on his chest yeah. in the middle of the road yeah and they just stopped the traffic for five five seconds for him to to get a, a series of shots and hope that there yeah. was a good one there and um, um but yeah, what was funny? Because there you go. Well, that's the answer to that. But as I was, you know, and I can't, and Abbey Road itself, I kind of there were a few trees and people around, kind of. Although it was kind of obvious, okay, that must be where it is. Again, it was you kind of had to go around the corner and stuff. And There's to see actually it. a great video from a couple of years ago where Paul McCartney had been in there doing something, and he he walked out and was walking across the crossing. You know, with his jacket over his shoulder, and yeah. you know, people were, you know, paparazzi or whatever, were, and and people were taking his photos, and a just a car just whizzes past him and nearly knocks him over. Oh, I haven't seen that. 
Yeah, he nearly got run over on Abbey Road Crossing. <laughs> that would have been a great uh, story. I mean, I don't know if it would have been a great story. It would have been... <laughs> Would have been a headline. It would have been a headline, but not for the right reasons. But yeah, it, it, there is there is, I'm sure, a video of that where he, he someone nearly flipping runs him over because so, they just can't wait for him to cross. Well, that was the thing. So people, obviously, people who live around there are u- well used to that kind of thing, and um, so people were trying tourist stuff, trying to get the picture, and so going across, I kind of didn't realise that was the crossing. So and I was just waiting for the traffic to stop because it wasn't stopping for a while because obviously they must just be used to stopping and then being waiting there for ages. So people they finally stopped and as they stopped I went to just quickly dart across and I realised the only reason the people were trying to cross was to get the picture and their friend had got and I'm just in the background trying to get across and then leaving <laughs> as well the same thing happened where I darted across ruining somebody's photo. Did um, you get a photo was, on the crossing? I didn't. I refrained from getting one. Oh, you should have. You should have. <laughs> I've, I've got a great one somewhere that a friend of mine took a couple of years ago when it was quiet. It was a bit quiet around there, and and I popped up and I, I, we were. I was going somewhere. I think I was probably heading towards Wembley Drum Centre because that's usually where I was heading when I was heading up that sort of north end of London. Uh, that north sort of north western end was usually I was heading up to Wembley and I would maybe sometimes stop off at St John's Wood and, and Baker Street and have a have a mooch. But yeah, obviously you were on your London trip and you had me sending you texts saying, oh, you should go here, you should go there. Why don't you try and get yeah. there? Well, um, it was. Well, I, I thought it was great. I loved, because um, obviously Abbey Road is a working studio and you're not going to be able to go in there, but they have the they have, have the Abbey Road shop next to it and all the facts and stuff, which was great. And I, as I, you can see, I got some stuff from it. Obviously, um, and you obviously pointed out there's the other uh, Beatles shop as well. Um, yeah, just on Baker Street near near the Sherlock Holmes Museum, the ball places. Yeah, we didn't manage to get there in the end, but then also because we still had ages to kill, I said, "Oh, we'll." I know it's not near there, but I was like, "We should go to Savile Row as well then and see where they play on the rooftop," which I know as well. Uh, you'd done earlier. Yeah, this number year, was it or last num- year? Or? Uh, yeah, uh, late last year I think. Number three, Savile Row. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, we'll, what we'll the... what we'll do is we'll we'll do a little Instagram post I think comparing comparing yeah, yeah. photos because uh, sure. I know we both have them. It's just a shame you don't have a crossing photo. That would have been that would have been a nice comparison. But never mind, you know. Well, it was um, <laughs> yeah, it was that was great. And um, my girlfriend's kind of likes the beat. Well, loves the Beatles now. But when her first impression of them was me and my dad watching the. Uh, last year or uh, or a few months ago watching the get back um film and she kind of came in just at the end when they were doing the rooftop so it was like she appreciated it as well and it was so yeah, cool she missed, just to think, she missed the six hours that lead up to that point yeah that was just annoying all that <laughs> the, the, the con- that was the best yeah. bit the concert um yeah so that was great what was also just i love being in london and just how people there are used to just cool things happening it just kind of or just historic things so the day before we were at Buckingham Palace and did all those kind of things got the photos and then on the way to Savile Row um we heard all this noise overhead and we're like, what the heck is that and saw like jets flying over and then a Boeing and then all this stuff and, and I was like that's got to be like a president or something that's got to be something like big that next thing the red arrows fly across I'm oh like, I tell oh you what was that tr- uh, it'll be trooping, trooping the, the color. color yeah yeah so then I checked it out and my mum and dad were like oh yeah we're watching it on tv now and I was like damn it how did I not know that because we could have like gone and sort of been around it but it was so cool we got to see the red arrows and yeah 
Um, See yeah. some big, big old old planes flying over and, your head. And like all the Londoners are there with their newspapers and they just look, oh, they look bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go again. Yeah, typically, uh, typically droll about it all. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carry yeah, on so with the paper. Were... <laughs> you know, well, back was... on the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we got to see a little bit of, um, again, just didn't plan it, but we so I said, oh, we need to go to Trafalgar Square and have a look around there. And it was when, um, which I didn't know, it was a yearly thing. They have a thing called West End Live, which they do all the kind of snippets of West End shows in Trafalgar Square and set up a stage and everything. So, um, um, again, I'm not a massive musical musicals fan. There's a few that I've, I do enjoy. Um, but I said, oh, this would be a cool thing to do, you know, once in a lifetime kind of thing. Or just, we're here while it's on. Let's Why don't we go and see if we can because it's free, and you just line up and stuff. So we said, oh, well, we'll come back on Sunday. Heathers, Heathers was on the first thing, and that's my girlfriend's favourite musical. So we said, oh, let's go watch that. So um, we got, we said, oh, we'll get there like at least an hour and a half, two hours before. In the end, we kind of were a little bit later than we wanted to be, and it was about an hour and a half before it started, and the queue was already from Trafalgar Square, um, like, uh, like um, I can't think of it now, but... Um, where the Hard Rock Cafe is, and oh, um, to uh, uh, Leicester Square. Yeah, less. It was already through Leicester Square, um, so we, so we said, oh, we'll give that one a miss then. And we, we just, like everybody else did, we found a good position outside of the seating area where you could get a good view of the stage, and and we just watched the first fifteen minutes of it, which was really cool. But again, just London, just so much going on. It's just on your doorstep, and well, that's it. And um, you know, it, it's it's good to. You know, especially for you when you're not away and working, you can you can enjoy those little bits, and and have a bit of time, not thinking about doing gigs, which is what I spend most of my life thinking about is doing another gig, because you know, I mean, as you know, as you say, you've you had that, and I've just been over the last month or two, I've just done so so much dep work on so many different shows, so there's been lots of sight reading, lots of fun, lots of you know playing very different stuff so i've done what did i do i did a dep on a motown gig uh a dep on some northern soul stuff uh, a disco show uh and i went and did a, a an orchestral gig in edinburgh which was completely sideways of anything i've i've done for a <laughs> long time so going and sitting with a 60-piece orchestra playing the music of james bond was quite fun you know in tuxedo and all the all the bit and with two two singers and yeah that, that was a fun gig it was it was hard work but it was a it was a fun gig and actually it's one of those things that um i know we got to talk about with um steve pierce when he when we had him on we, he talked a little bit about working with orchestras and um when i was sat during that rehearsal i was so glad that we'd had that chat because i thought you know what that's directly because i hadn't i haven't worked with an orchestra since i was probably oh at school you know and working with a big bigger school bands or combined orchestras and things so mm. it's it had been a long time since i'd been in that kind of environment and obviously you've got the pressure of all these professionals who know their stuff and do it every week and i think there was an audience of probably i don't know 1500 people wow so it was uh, it it wasn't pressure at all 
he says. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was one of those, and I actually sent Steve a message afterwards, and I just I thought, you know that 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 chat which we which you can listen to because it's all on our um, our interview episodes with with Steve from a couple of months ago. Uh, he does dip into the orchestra stuff a little bit and tells some great stories. Um, and yeah, that was that was me putting putting what we talked to uh, talked to him about there straight to good use. Of, you know how to follow a conductor you've never met before and things. It was you know really interesting, and I'm I'm glad I did it. It was hard work, but I was I was glad I went and did it, and um, and it was fun. <laughs> yeah, you can check those photos out as well, can't you? Oh yeah, get to see me dressed up like a penguin again. It's always yeah. uh, always a fun gig when it involves a bow tie. And also, you um, speaking of kind of the London thing in the West End shows, you sat in on uh, on a couple of shows or on a Hamilton. Yeah, I've sat in on a few over the over the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, most recently uh, earlier this year, I um, I went and saw Hamilton, which was what started it. Um, I went and saw Hamilton with a friend of mine, and you know. I'd I'd wanted to see it for a while, so it was I was glad to finally actually go and go and watch it, and it was great as you would as you would imagine. Um, but the band was were were really what did it for me. I thought they're just a, a top notch sound from where I was sat, and um, I knew you know I found out who the drummer was, and um, we we shared a few a few mutual friends, and I managed to get in touch with him and um, organise going and and sitting in with uh, with him. A guy called Chris Draper, who is an excellent drummer, and yeah, I got to sit in the drum booth under the stage with the um, with the pad on my lap. So I was reading along to what he was playing, and sat just under, just behind where his ride symbol was, watching him play. And yeah, just beautiful, um, just amazing to see 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 the show from a totally different angle. You know, in that you don't see anything that happens above your head on the stage, but you. You can, you know, you can see the, the the band working their socks off, and the conductor was, yeah, it's just all people who are totally top of the game, and and yeah, Chris was was an absolute gentleman for letting me um, letting me go in and and sit in his world for the for the afternoon. <laughs> shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to Chris because he's uh, he's a great guy, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully we might get him on here at some point and uh, and have a little chat about all things, all things West End and theatre drumming and Hamilton and anything else we can think of. <laughs> yeah, well I think that's about it from my my standpoint. And then yeah, me too. I think we've 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 covered th- what three months, four months in, hopefully about an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, so um, we've got some really cool things planned for this season. But yeah, um, and if you haven't already, go and check out all the other episodes. Like we said before, there's twenty of them uh, waiting for you to uh, to go and have a listen to. If you haven't already, and even if you have already, go and listen to them again. Why not? Yeah, that's uh, what I'm gonna do. Exactly that right now. See, that's that's how you want to spend a day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again for for listening and. Um, We'll see you for the the next part of season season three very soon. See you next time. (laughs) 